What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. Today, I have an amazing show for you. We are talking about flipping houses virtually. So it's going to be a multi-episode series. We're going to talk about how to estimate the uh, purchase costs, like running the numbers so you can buy from a distance. Like how do you evaluate the ARV, the repair costs, and run the purchase price? And then how do you find contractors and how do you manage a renovation and a flip uh, on it? And then we'll take it a little bit further from there. Like how do we get it sold? What do we do? How do we make sure everything's done? And uh, what does the whole process look like from flipping houses virtually? So Today, I've got my friend Jesse Trujillo back on the podcast. He recently went from San Diego to a market in Jacksonville, Florida, and they have bought, he's bought 25 rental properties and a bunch of houses to flip in just a few short months. So we're going to find out how they do it, how they run their numbers and some of his tips of the things that worked and things that didn't work when he went into this new market. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right. What's up, everybody? We've got a great show today. I, we're talking about flipping from a distance or you know, you know, fixing up houses from a distance, maybe even wholesaling from a distance. But a lot of people are... This is going to be a multi-episode series. This is the first episode of that series. And a lot of people are in a market where it's either expensive or they don't want to invest there for some reason. Maybe they're moving soon to another area, whatever it may be. But how do we... And maybe you're even adding another market on. You know, you've already got your main market where you live. And you're adding a secondary market or a third market. So what does it look like? How do you do things from a distance? How can you live in one place and invest in another? This is the challenging question that a lot of people have asked me over many years where I lived, started in Pensacola, I moved to Nashville, then we started investing in Chattanooga, then we started investing in Nashville, but continued to invest in Pensacola. So managing virtual markets and things like that. So um, today we're going to be talking about like analyzing the deal and buying the property. So how do you run the numbers? How do you understand it? How do you analyze a, a deal in an area where you can't just drive to the house, open the door and go walk through it? So uh, who better to bring on than my good friend, Jesse Trujillo, who's been on the podcast before. This is the guy who lives in San Diego, does a bunch of deals without any marketing. You probably heard him at Flip Hacking Live. You've heard him on the podcast. If you're a member of our mastermind group, he did an awesome presentation on the cruise last year in February. And... Um, uh, he recently went into a market in Florida from San Diego. So I want to hear about that. I reached out to him to see if he would share some of his tips, uh, what went right, what went wrong, and we'll jump into it today. So Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming, Jesse. So what, let's see, let's start here. Um, let, everybody probably, if, if they haven't listened to the podcast, they can go back and listen to some of your previous episodes to understand more about who you are and what you do. But if you can go through maybe um, what it was like kind of going into a new market, why did you do that? And uh, some of that stuff, like what did you do? Why, why, why did you go into a market in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of all times, right? I did it during COVID when everything uh, was just shut down. But if anything, I think COVID opened my eyes. Like it really did. You know, when COVID hit, my whole team here in San Diego, we all went virtual. Right. So it kind of just showed me um, the ability of your team. You know, I always assumed you got to be in the office. You got to watch them, got to, you know, everything. But no, as long as you got a good team, like people could work virtually. Right. And they can 
they can do it if they i wouldn't even know if they wouldn't live in san diego right if they're working from their house they could be working from anywhere so the fact that uh it kind of opened my eyes um just seeing that 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 wasn't that was that was available it just kind of it just kind of had me had it in my mind of possibly going to jacksonville and i personally had jacksonville just it was an agent friend from san diego he moved to, you know, he's, his wife was from Jacksonville. He was in the Navy in Jacksonville. He moved back to Jacksonville a couple of years ago. He's always been mentioning it to go over there. And, and I never really even contemplated. I just thought, no way, there's no, no way I, I'd even be able to do that. And I think when, when now everyone working virtually, it kind of opened my mind to saying we could do a lot, a lot of what we do here virtually for Jacksonville and and, and so, and I just kind of figured, why, why not give it a shot? So, I mean, he, he's a real estate agent over there and knowing that you have someone boots on the ground, whether you find them um, or, or you know somebody, I mean, that's kind of one of the biggest things for me, right? Because we're, we're fixing and flipping, we're taking these down, we're fixing them up and, and you need someone to actually see them in person. But all the rest, all, all the other work, the admin work, the, you know, dealing with escrows, dealing with the investors, dealing with everything else, I, I can do that virtually from here in San Diego, my team that was already used to it. Right. So all I needed was someone, some boots on the ground there and, you know, through, through actually through our group, I mean, I met, you know, some wholesalers that people that wholesale in the Jacksonville area um, and kind of talking to them. And I figured, you know, talking to my lenders or my private lenders and some, you know, current, my hard money lenders there, they were lending in Florida. So verifying that, you know, you can obviously have money over there as well you know, and that your current lenders or lenders that you know will lend in those properties in the area you want. I kind of ran out of excuses to, to give it a shot. So, I mean, I had the properties, I had boots on the ground. Um, the lending the lending was pretty much willing to lend over there as well. And so the next step is is kind of going over there and, and doing the same thing. What You know, when I would talk about, you know, marketing yourself with, 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 uh, with no money, I did the exact same thing over there, the same mentality, is what we did over there. So we went, you know, we reached out to wholesalers. We were, we're making offers on the MLS. We're, we're doing everything we do here in San Diego. The only difference is that we got one person over there. And that person is my agent friend that is kind of working a little bit as we grow. Right now he's as a project manager slash acquisitions manager, right? So he's a little bit of both because there's not a big volume there yet. But I do, I do that on purpose because I want my acquisitions manager if you want to say he's going to be my operations manager as we grow to understand what a project manager has to do. So when we pick one up over there, we get to that point, he could train them, right? He can train them and, and they'd be, and he can, he can watch them over. So it was kind of little baby steps going over there, but, um, and sure enough, right. The, the, the first things you, you find out is how, how intense the, the market is. Right. So I did my homework before going over there. I, I, you know, heard from a lot of people, Florida is a good place to be at. And I just did a little more homework on Jacksonville and, and I liked it. I think it's a great market and uh, I think it fits my model. Um, it's, it was a Navy town, like, um, like, like here in San Diego is. So there's a lot of VA buyers. So it was very similar to, to what we're doing here over there. And I just kind of liked that fact and just made, just pulled the trigger and, and just decided to go over there. Okay. So let's, let's say, I understand we got the boots on the ground. This is step one. So having somewhere, someone there. Um, if you're looking for a virtual area, there's a couple things. That's one of them that I would say. You happen to have a realtor that was in the area that you trusted, that you knew well, and that you knew could do a good job. 
Uh, I also recommend some folks, they might have information about the market. So they may have lived there before, they may have grown up there, but they don't live there anymore. Uh, things like that. You have connections, you know the area, you know something about it. So you have some sort of some sort of advantage over someone else um, in that area, whether you live there or not. Living there is just one piece of the puzzle. There's a lot more that goes into just, just because I live here doesn't mean it might be the best place that I invest. So we got boots on the ground. Let's talk about buying that first house. So let's say, okay, I've picked a market. I know where it's going to be. I've got some boots on the ground there. Now, what I want to jump into is that first deal came to you. How are you looking at it, underwriting it? Because you've got You've got a purchase to make, you've got rehab costs to make, different holding costs maybe, and then a sales price to figure out. So you got to run all of those numbers to be able to make that first offer, right? To know what does that look like? So, um, and even if you're, you're, an answer that somebody might give is, well, my real estate gave me the comps, my real estate agent gave me, what do they think it would sell for? What they think the rehab costs would be and what they think I should buy it for? Well, how do you verify that? You know, so you're virtual, you're not going there, you're not walking through it. So what does that look like for like, what would you recommend somebody that's brand new? How could they be comfortable making an offer on a home in an area that they're not? Right. So one of the, one of the things I like said, whether I would have known um, my friend or not, I mean, I think you have to become, you have to work with an agent or a broker, right? Because we did what we did here in San Diego. We become an agent assistant, right? And an agent assistant you get access to their MLS, right? So we get to use the MLS and I didn't want my numbers to be based on just that agent, right? We want to have some type of idea on what exactly, you know, make sure we're on the same page. I like to usually have two people run numbers before I make a decision. So I made it, I made it a fact to have that agent show my team here, the person that usually look for uh, run our numbers here in San Diego and teach us, right? Teach us how to use that MLS, teach us how to look for comps. And once they taught us, now we do that. We do all the comps. We're just now sending our agent to give us his opinion to make sure we're on the same page. And when we're not on the same page, that's when I like to, then something's off, right? Before I pull the trigger on, on making an offer, I then then we need to find out why, why the two of us are off. But that's one of the biggest things I would say is you need to get access to the MLS to run your comps. Yes, you could look at Redfin, you could look at Zillow, but we all know that sometimes they're just way, sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not. And do you want to, you know, really risk your money on just those, those type of comps? So I like looking at MLS comps. I do look at Redfin as well, but knowing that we can learn those MLS comps and we can make an educated decision, um, then we plug and play. I mean, the, so now it goes back to you now the rehab, right? The rehab is something that even, even like we were here local in San Diego. I mean, we, we've kind of, we kind of know what it's going to cost us. So over there, you got to talk to contractors. You got to talk to contractors, contractors that have worked on flips. Right. And you got to, you got to get an idea. I mean, that's what we did. We, we ended up meeting, um, gosh, maybe like five or six from the get go that people just, you know, agents referred, you know, going on Facebook groups, talking to people, Hey, who do you use for your, your, you know, investor flips? Uh, for contractors and we would ask them, Hey, what's an average cost? You know, what is an average house? You know, here's, here's a three, two, 1200 square feet. We need to, we're going to redo the whole thing. What is it going to cost? So getting those numbers is very important as you go in, because I, you know, I don't want to assume that the numbers are the same from San Diego over there, to be honest, it it's crazy because it actually ended up being around the same numbers as San Diego. So I was, I honestly, I didn't expect that, but they actually are very similar. 
So, but it's good to know what your cost is um, in that market because it can be very different in in a, in in, a, in the market that you're in right now, right? So, uh, once we know that number, we have an average, right? And now by looking at pictures of the house, you know, we we are we already know what our average probably flip is going to cost. And then it's like anything, right? You got to factor in, you know, the big items. Does it need a roof, heaters? You know, does it have any foundation issues? Those are usually the three biggest things that we look at that either we're going to add money to it, to our um, to our average rehab price, and we kind of go from there. So how does a typical house come in for you guys? Is it, uh, so let's say a wholesaler sends it to you, you see it and you're interested. Um, is, are you guys saying, telling the realtor that you have on the ground there that we want to buy this one or are they bringing that to you? Are they looking at the uh, house from the, from the wholesalers and saying, Hey, this is probably a good one. Are they looking at the photos, running those numbers and giving them to you? What's your process like when you see a potential deal? Yeah. So no, um, I actually have it more where our team, you know, in it, we, we reached out, made relationships, obviously through our group, but also through, just going on Facebook groups, letting people know, Hey, we're here, we're buying, we're, we're new to the town and we're buying, um, we're looking here to flip. And we just got all these wholesalers numbers, emails, you know, um, and we started just calling them, talking to them. Right. So now they send it to my team here in San Diego. We run numbers. We, you know, we, we pretty much get everything set up in our performa. And we, and we gather as much information and then we tag, we use Podio, we tag our, our, our acquisition, our acquisitions agent there. And he just confirms the ARV for us. He, and then he, he's the one that he's, or if he, if the deal makes sense, once he confirms ARV, then he goes and looks at the property and confirms rehab. And, you know, he's setting up the time, he's setting up times to go see it with the wholesalers, with real estate agents, you know, with whoever he's got to do, but we run all our numbers here in San Diego. Okay. So then once he goes to look at it and takes the, takes pictures, maybe something like that is, do you have a process to look at those photos, confirm the rehab costs and then figure out the offer price? Yeah. We need to take a quick look. I mean, as, as you're, as, as a team gets better and better, right. You build that trust. And a lot of times it's going to be him that's pulling the trigger, but we, you know, he, he comes back, he shows us, he does always right now in the beginning, he's confirming with me and I'm making that decision. Uh, to move forward or not, or what number to go at. And, um, and no, and then after that, I mean, and then I give it back to him and he, he calls and makes the offer. Okay. So um, one, one thing I want to ask you that I get asked all the time, and I'm interested in your take. I actually were, I was writing a book. I just finished it. It's over to the editor now. And one of it was like, how do I come up with my offer price? So what is, what do I do? What do people do? What's a, like in the beginning for me, it was a rough estimate where I would say, okay, this thing's kind of in my wheelhouse of making an offer around what they're asking. Uh, maybe I can bring it down a little bit, but it's in, it's in that, that window or it's just crazy. So, and then at, once I dial it in, then I use more specific numbers other than just the back of the envelope formula. So how do you guys run your numbers at your company? Yeah. So we, over the years, uh, we use an Excel sheet that I built and, you know, we used to do little quick, quick numbers, but I think I've learned over the years, I, I try to get as close as I can from day one, because from the moment we're running the numbers. So I, in my performa, I have, I had in my, what my interest rate is, what my closing costs are, what, you know, the closing costs to sell, I have everything in there built in 
and then as a template, and then where you can literally plug and play just your ARV, your purchase price amount, and your rehab amount. Those three things. And it shoots me out a number. And you can play with the purchase price from there to get to the number that you want to make on profit. So that's something that it's, I want to say it's not a specific formula. It's kind of, it's kind of actually gotten to where it's a, it's a big formula because it goes through a lot of channels, but it, it just spits out a number for us. I'd rather know as close as I can to where my profit's going to be than kind of a rough estimate. So I, I'd rather have them all uh, come in as close as possible than what, what we originally planned from the, from day one. And, and it lets me give my best offer right from, from the beginning, because I mean, competition stuff. So, I mean, you don't want to have it where shoot, I could have offered five grand more and I lost a deal because, because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't finish all my numbers on it. So that's why I, I kind of go a little more um, all out, I guess you could say, and going, going on, on everything that has to do with all our expenses to come up with our offer, offer price. Well, I think that's important because when I, when I got going and I had enough data, so I had enough houses that I had done to determine what, what percentage or what cost is the closing cost? What's the holding cost like? What are the, um, what's the money cost? And if that, what's the realtor fees, all that stuff. Cause all those are kind of variables. I might've started at 6% realtor fees. And then I was able to find a realtor that worked in house for me that only got paid 1%. So then I got down to three and a half percent for me. So I was able to save a percentage there and I was able to get my money cheaper. So I could actually bring my average money cost down and then uh, hold holding costs. You know, maybe I can get the project done faster. So I put in the timeline and it changes a little bit. And then like for me in Florida, my closing costs weren't as expensive. I, was, I remember our first mastermind meeting, I was talking to a guy in, in New York and his closing costs were insane compared to mine. And he was asking me what my formula I use to buy a flip. And I told him, I, I, I kind of use this fixed cost method. Like the, I know what the fixed costs are. I know what the variable costs are. And I just kind of make adjustments and tweak like a formula like you're talking about. And I said to him, look, you've flipped enough houses. Just go back and look at, look at all of your costs. Look at what they were. And I bet if you, if you put them in an Excel sheet of the 15 houses that you've done in the last year, it'll spit out, a, you'll, you'll, a, even if you could use a percentage of ARV minus repairs, and you would get to a place that's right for you in New York. If I use that in Florida, I mean, I, I would never buy a house because his closing costs were like, I don't know, 15% of the purchase price. It was crazy, you know, all in costs. So I think, I think that's smart and I think it's important to do. So if you're brand new uh, to flipping, if you got with somebody like Jesse or got with somebody and said, Hey, on average, like what, what would I be spending on, on this here? What is, what does it look like? What is a, a rough estimate? Just like getting with the contractors, like you talked about, there's a certain amount of money per house that it's probably going to cost you. So I like that a lot. Everybody kind of talks about the 70% rule or 80% rule or whatever. Um, it doesn't really work that way. And as the price point of the house has changed significantly, you can't really just put a percentage because your profit is built in there. So I want my fixed costs, my variable costs, and my profit. Profit is that variable one. So what do you guys want for profit on houses like this in, in Florida? I mean, we average, we try to make at least a 20 grand profit. I mean, that's that's my that's my goal. You know, between 20 and 40 is is our sweet spot. Um, I think it's realistic and I can tell you, even at 20 the competition's fierce and, and we get beat out quite a bit, you know? So, um, and it goes back to the old rule, right? You just got to stick to your numbers. And if that's what makes you feel good, you just got to stay with it. 
and we've had a couple that that they do come back you know they come back and 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 they call us back and ask if we're still interested and and uh and we'll try to lock it up cool that i, I remember when i got started it was kind of i wanted these big profit margins 40,000 50,000 things like that and um you know honestly if i broke even on my first deal i would have learned a ton and uh and it would have been it would have been okay with me uh at the time it didn't seem okay but looking back it's like man if I got paid, you know, $10,000 to learn all this, do my first deal, get that first, like that first deal is so hard to get that thing done and behind me and move forward. I, I would have been fine with it. So, um, I'm not recommending that all of you guys that are listening, build in a five or $10,000 profit or decide to break even. Cause if you build in a $10,000 profit, you'll probably lose five grand. Uh, there's always things that come up, especially on your first deal. You're going to over renovate it. You're going to miss something. There's going to be something that pops up. Somebody's probably, some contractor's probably going to steal some money from you. Who knows what's going to happen? So, so what I heard was number one, they have boots on the ground, uh, know the market, get access to the MLS so you can find the ARV, talk to contractors, get an idea of the uh, repair costs in that new area that you're not sure of to see if it is like what you're used to doing or if you're brand new, um, what that is. Um, have some, get some photos of the house and kind of run your numbers. And plug it in however you calculate your deal. You know, run your profit numbers, run that ARV, run the rehab cost that you think. And then, you know, on the next, on the next episode, what I want to do is jump into, okay, I'm virtual and I got to go find contractors after I now hire contractors and manage contractors. How do I do that? Like that's the kind of next step from here. But this shouldn't, it shouldn't be too scary to run your numbers uh, from a distance as long as you, like, like Jesse said, you're going to have to have somebody that you trust in that area. Like that is the key when you can get there and, and keep that person on their toes. Don't let them get like super comfortable by anything. Uh, I've kind of run into some mistakes in the past. Um, before I let you go, Jesse, and we wrap this up, what are some things that like lessons learned that haven't necessarily worked for you in this virtual market that you would, um, you would share with some of the listeners to hope, hopefully help them, uh, from making the same mistakes that you guys did. And maybe it all went perfect for you. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think is assuming that you're going to get to that new market and you're going to get deals right away. I mean, I, I think depending on which way you're going, if you're using direct marketing, that's one way If you use um, just, you know, networking kind of style that we use and networking style is going to take longer. I mean, people don't know who you are, right? People don't trust you. I mean, you got to build those relationships wherever you go. So it takes time. And I want to say we've been there for several months now and we're finally seeing um, people that we have closed with, you know, you got to show them what you can do. And I, and we get great feedback and now they're calling us with, Hey, I got something coming up soon. Right. So it, it's, it's don't assume that you're going to get a bunch of deals from day one. Um, you know, when you're going to a new market, it's going to take time and just keep that in mind and know that from there, you know, you just have to have that patience and little by little, you're going to get some deals and they're going to start coming through. Um, we, I mean, the other, the other thing too is have an open mind. I mean, cause I went over there to flip and what ended up happening is, you know, you run numbers and you're getting beat out. And what's happening is I noticed that it's a great rental market. So we're getting beat out by a lot of investors that are just looking for rentals that could pay more than a flipper. So have an open mind on that and kind of also keep, you know, look at your market of, of and, and ask agents, right? Who's buying most of the flips? Ask the wholesalers, who's buying them? Is it, is it more flippers or is it more uh, investors that are looking to rent? Because keep it, that's important to know because if you're not going into the rental game, you might be get, getting beat out a lot. What we ended up doing, we shifted when we ended up, now we're, we're buying flips and then we're also buying rentals. So 
um, just to stay with the game there. So it, it's we're definitely picking up quite a few properties. And as much as I'd like to flip them all, they don't all work, but they work as rentals. So we 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 shifted and and now we have a big rental presence in in Jacksonville too. Nice. That's it's really impressive to hear. You're just a. Go, I'm going to jump in and go. And the fact that you guys bought 25 rental properties in just a few months is pretty amazing. So um, it's awesome. I'm really excited for you, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of these things with with the the folks out there. I I, I liked when I went to a virtual market because it kind of forced me to think differently, to make some changes. I couldn't just go drive to the house. I had to actually. Um, I had to actually get creative. I had to, I had to lean on other people and rely on other people to do some things that maybe I would normally do. And that's probably good. It forces you to create systems and processes inside your business. And if you're right. new and you don't have those things, then being forced is sometimes the best way. I remember when I moved to Nashville from Pensacola, it was just random. You know, James, we found out about James's condition and picked up and left. And my business was running really well. But I, uh, there were on occasions I was going to the houses. I was going to Home Depot to fix some things up and I couldn't do that stuff anymore. Um, so I had to figure out how to get other people to help me. And what that allowed me to do is to, to step up and do some, some higher level tasks. So, all right, if anybody's listening, Jesse, and they're in San Diego, Jacksonville, anywhere else that you're buying deals, I'm sure they want to sell you properties and things like that. Like, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? Where do you want them to go? If uh, they've got a great deal in Jacksonville and they want uh, Jesse to buy it. Yeah. Just send it over to uh, cash offers at ajxhomes.com. That's our email. It goes to my team and we'll get right back to you. All right. Cash offers at ajxhomes.com. Did I get that right? Yep. That's it. All right. So I don't think there's anyone who, when they say that they will close, will close better than Jesse. Uh, I've interviewed him multiple times. The the big thing that he does is work with wholesalers, work with agents, does what he says he's going to do. So it's really uh, pretty impressive. So I, I like to think that when I tell somebody I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And this is another guy who's the exact same way. So uh, hopefully there's some Jacksonville wholesalers listening that are going to send you a ton of deals uh, in exchange for sharing some awesome info with the rest of the guests or the rest of the people that are listening. So um, Jesse, thanks so much for being with me, man. This is, uh, it's always fun, especially the the half hour that we spend before we start the interview, uh, talking about life and business and things like that. I need that. And, um, I'm, uh, you know, proud to call you my friend and, uh, and do this uh, business and life with you guys. It's, uh, it's been great getting to know you and I appreciate you as much as you give to the community and me and everybody else. We all just want to say thank you. So the, uh, the next episode is going to be about rehab costs, uh, fix up costs, those kind of things. Uh, and I'm going to bring on uh, my other good friend, Beth Turner, who uh, lives in Wisconsin and flips houses in Kansas City, Missouri. So I think they're like nine hours away or something. So she's going to talk about how she finds contractors and some of the struggles and issues that come with that. So I'm going to ask her some questions about that, try to figure out now how can we re we've got, we figured out the purchase price, we've got the house bought. Now, how do we uh, start estimating and, and executing the repair costs? So uh, I think that's going to be good, kind of the next step for anybody who's out there who's doing this virtually or trying to figure out how. So Jesse, thanks, man. I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. We'll be in uh, Cancun before we know it in just a couple of weeks with the seven figure altitude and runway group. So, yep. and thanks, Bill. I really appreciate you having me on. If you guys are listening and you want to go to Cancun with us and you qualify for altitude, go to sevenfigurealtitude.com, fill out an application, and uh, we might be able to squeeze you into our Cancun trip uh, if you join our mastermind in time. So, it's going to be an amazing event. It's a week long uh, tropical mastermind that we're doing. 
Um, we tried to go to Turks and Caicos last year. We went on a cruise last year. It was awesome. This is really exciting. All-inclusive resort down in Cancun. I've been wanting to do this for years and we finally pulled the trigger this April and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. We, I think we have like a hundred some people going. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So uh, go to sevenfigurealtitude.com for all your application. And even if you don't know if you qualify or not, fill out an application. Um, one of the members of my team will reach out to you and we'll see if you do. So, and if not, then uh, come check us out, flip back in live, maybe jump into the runway program uh, there in October. Uh, all right, Jesse, I'll see you. I'll see you and everybody listening. See you guys on the next podcast. Bye. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.